William Campbell Underhill was a 20-year-old from Minneapolis, Minnesota. He was an avid fisherman and overcame polio as a child. On March 2, 1969, he went to a house party attended by many of his high school friends. At some point, he left, departing well before the festivities ended. He was never seen again. I'm Ed Denzel, and this is Unfound. First test flight of the Concorde. Soviet and Chinese armies clashed in an outpost on the Usuri River. I have no idea where that is. You can look it up. Sirhan Sirhan admitted he assassinated Bobby Kennedy. Apollo 9 launched to test the lunar module that would eventually be used on Apollo 11. The United States Navy started the Navy Fighter Weapons School, something we now know as Top Gun at Naval Air Station Miramar in California. Jim Morrison, lead singer of The Doors, was arrested for indecent exposure. Right here in Florida. The birth of Academy Award winner and James Bond villain Javier Bardem. In addition, the birth of daughter, now son, of Sonny and Cher, Chaz Bono. That's the way it was, the first week of March 1969. For some of you, I'm sure it seems like yesterday. For others, like myself, we weren't quite alive yet. For Bill Underhill and many other people his age, early March 1969 was a time of worry and speculation. At the party that Sunday, there was talk of Vietnam. Would the young men get drafted? Or if they did, would they go? Or would they flee to Canada like so many did? Some even spoke of suicide. If they didn't get drafted, how would they continue with their education and jobs, knowing so many of their friends were dying in Southeast Asia? Yes, the future for many of them was unknown. Then, adding to that mystery of where the world was heading and what they'd do in it, was the disappearance of their friend, Bill Underhill. He took part in all the deep conversations about Vietnam and other issues at the Minneapolis party that night. Then he disappeared. And now a summary of the case. This is brought to you by my friend, Megan Good's site, charlieproject.org. At the time of Bill's disappearance... He was living at home with his parents and commuting to the University of Minnesota. He was a good student and, in fact, had been studying with his younger sister, Sarah, right before he went to the party from which he disappeared. Although the Underhills were a tight-knit family, Bill and his father did occasionally have blow-ups, exacerbated by the fact that they lived under the same roof. The party held the night Bill disappeared was in an area called Dinky Town. Although Bill was in college... Most of the people at this gathering were people he knew from high school. In fact, an ex-girlfriend was even there. She spoke to him that night. At some point, well before anyone else left, Bill departed the house. Partygoers did not remember him being drunk or otherwise incapacitated. Within a few moments, a friend of his also left the residence to see where Bill went. The friend couldn't find him. Bill was never seen again. The police did an investigation starting a few days later, but they found no signs of the missing 20-year-old. 
In addition, neither they nor Bill's family had any theory as to what could have happened to him. It wasn't until over a decade later that Bill's family began to find out private information about him. That he'd been fingerprinted by the FBI in 1968. That he'd possibly taken part in a 1960s version of Fight Club. These new revelations continue to this day, with one recently giving them a new clue as to what happened to him after he left the party that night. The interview for this episode is with Bill's sister, Mary Underhill. Unfound News. I'm still working on Volume 2. I hope to get it out before Christmas, but a lot of things got in the way. No worries, though. It's coming, and it will be just as good as Volume 1. Speaking of which, check out the paperback and ebook versions of Volume 1 at Amazon.com. Next, I've started to go through Western Pennsylvania disappearance cases that might get selected for the work I'll be doing with TribLive.com in Pittsburgh. We have a lot of choices, unfortunately. Over 80 of them. We've had a couple meetings so far, and I'm excited to see the great work we're going to do. Finally, I need to thank a recent Patreon contributor, Carol. I haven't been talking about Patreon much recently, because there's so much to go through in this news section these days. But I hope you will consider contributing to Unfound. There are some nice perks that go along with it. Access to the blog, free ebooks and paperbacks getting mentioned on the program. So please, check it out and consider supporting Unfound. Thanks. Where you can find Unfound. Unfound is on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, iTunes, Podomatic, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Podbean, and Overcast. Unfound is also on Spotify now. The email address, unfoundpodcast at gmail.com. The website, unfoundpodcast.com. Please check out the secret Stephen Kocher episode. And now, if you click on the merchandise button, it will show the links to both the books on Amazon and the playing cards at makeplayingcards.com. Please visit the page at your convenience. The website at Trib Total Media, triblive.com forward slash news forward slash unfound. They've done a really nice job building that page. Unfound also has a PayPal account. Please contact me privately if you'd like to contribute that way. And please mention Unfound on all true crime Facebook pages and other websites and forums. Thank you. A note. As Unfound usually does, my guest and I give you the facts in this interview. Their presentation should not mean that Mary or anyone else in our family is pointing the finger at anybody. You, the listeners, will ultimately make your own decisions. But at this time in December 2017, no one close to Bill, family or friends, has ever been suspected or implicated in his disappearance. I'm happy to have on this episode of Unfound, the sister of Bill Underhill, Mary Underhill. Mary, welcome to Unfound. Thank you. Tell the listeners a little bit about Bill. He was your older brother, wasn't he? He's my older brother, I have an older brother and sister. Bill was the oldest. He was seven years older than I am. And my sister uh, was just 15 months, 15 months younger than Bill. Um, and she's 16 years old, or six years older than I am. And would you say that all three of you uh, were fairly close? Did the uh, age difference between you and Bill have an effect? Or did you, you know, bond a lot? How, how would you say your relationship was? I think we were all close, but my sister and Bill were certainly closer because they were closer in age. 
um, and my my interests as um, you know being six seven years younger were different than theirs but we were all close but I think they probably had definitely the closest relationship and what kind of uh, family were the Underhills what was your family what did you like to do vacations um, what kind of good times did you like to have back then I think one of the sort of um, biggest um, things that we did together is that my father uh, taught biology and zoology um, and every summer we went to northern Minnesota to Itasca State Park which had a biological station where students would go for the summer and we were fortunate enough as a family to live there for the summer. So from Memorial Day to Labor Day that's where we were. So we spent a lot of time outdoors. Um, Sarah and Bill had uh, probably different adventures than I did, um, but a lot of time, um, you know, canoeing, fishing, um, walking, playing. Um, and they, you know, two had things that they did together with, with sort of older kids. There was kind of a younger crowd and an older crowd, and I was part of the younger crowd. So I didn't know all the same people that Bill and Sarah did up there. But sometimes I knew younger children from the same families. So you went up there for the summer and just made friends with other families who were up there in the area? Correct, right. Mm -hmm. And other families that were had uh, parents that were teaching there. Right. So you just packed up the car, threw all your luggage in there. Must have been a, a that's quite an experience staying up there for three months. You must have had to have taken a lot of clothes and... I don't. It doesn't. Now looking back on it, I'm not sure how my mother and father did it because it seemed like it was pretty compact. Uh-huh. Um, but we, you know, it was a pretty, in some ways, a pretty simple um, way to spend the summer. And we went to town once a week and um, went shopping, and and that was about it. Otherwise, we were pretty much there, and there was a beach nearby and swimming, and it was pretty uh-huh. pretty wonderful, especially mm-hmm. looking back on it. And, you know, I've seen some of those pictures from the late 60s that are on a website that we're going to talk about eventually. But um, it seemed like you brought up fishing, but fishing was a a major part of your family. And I can relate to that because fishing is a big part of my family as well. It seemed like uh, that was one of the main um, interests in your family. It was. My father uh, studied freshwater fishes um, and my brother was an avid fisherman. My father was. They did a lot of um, fly fishing, something I never learned to do, but they did a great deal of. And Bill on his own, was uh, he into sports? Uh, did he play any in high school? How did he do in school? While in, in, from what you understand back then, what kind of student and uh, what other interests did he have outside of the family interests? He, well, I think his main in- interest always was fishing, um, he did a lot of fishing. He played football a little bit in high school. He was on the wrestling team. Um, he did a lot of weightlifting. Mm-hmm. I don't remember any other sports that he was involved in. Do you think that that was, um, you know, I remember back to, my, I guess, my teenage years of growing up in Leechburg, Pennsylvania. You know, I, I guess it would have been maybe a little difficult to be away from my friends for an entire summer. Um, was that ever a problem with Bill? Did he ever wish to maybe just stay back there in the area that you grew up to hang out with his friends during the summer? 
And I think when I was probably about 12, so Bill would have been probably 18 then, mm-hmm. he wanted to stay home uh, for the summer. And that was when um, my father continued to go up to Itasca, but my sister and Bill and I stayed home in the cities mm-hmm. with my mom. Okay. And, and we made some very good friends up there, too, that okay. came back every year. And how far was that from where your home was? It's about... I'm going to guess about 200 miles north. That's pretty far. So that's like a far. Yeah, it's like a possibly a three to four hour drive. Right, right. And after he stopped going up, you know, for the whole summer, um, in talking with some of his friends over the years, unbeknownst to me, that actually he and some of his friends went up and would stay with my dad and stay stay for a weekend or maybe longer up at Itasca. Okay. Now, just a couple of days ago, you had sent me an email that uh, your sister Sarah, Sarah, who is still alive, um, yes. had some of her recollections. Uh, what do you want to tell the listeners about how she remembers Bill in contrast to your memories, which, of course, you were younger, uh, not as close to an age? What did Sarah have to say? Uh, Sarah talked about, you know, they were very close growing up. Um, Lots, we have lots of pictures of them when they were little, and um, Bill being a bit older, uh, in a lot of the pictures, it really looks like he's sort of watching out for her. Um, They seem to love each other very much and have a lot of fun. She remembered, of course, the summers and spending time up at Itasca in the summertime, and also that they went up sometimes in the winter with her father and would um, do research, help him with research on the lake. Um, she also remembered how much he loved music and could remember that he especially liked The House of the Rising Sun and Bob Dylan's Greatest Hits. Mm-hmm. Big big music from the late 60s, 1960s, yes, sure. Yes. sure. And he had, he had quite a collection of music, actually. Um, and she remembers him as very... Um, kind. She remembers a point when in their mid-teens that she she was worried for him more, that things started to change in some ways. Maybe he wasn't quite as happy. Hmm. But she always felt very close to him, and her last memory of him is studying for finals. They were both students at the University of Minnesota. That they were, hmm. they were home on a Sunday night studying for finals. And she didn't have any sense that anything was was, was, was going to happen, that, 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 that Bill was going to disappear. So she, right. would you say, except for those people at that party, would you say that uh, she's one of the last people to see him before he disappeared? And he's definitely the last, she was definitely the last family member, right? Right, right. Okay. My last memory of seeing him was a friend had come over and we delivered, we were, we were uh, Girl Scouts. And we had our Girl Scouts outfits on. And um, we're going out to, I don't know if it was to deliver cookies or take orders for cookies when you still go door to door. And she had brought cookies that her mother made, and she gave them to Bill. And my friends certainly liked Bill, and he was always Mm -hmm. kind to them. Okay. Now, there are a couple things that we're going to mention about him before we get into... 
uh, the facts of you know the, the, maybe the day before and the day of his disappearance. And these are just things that listeners need to keep in mind. Um, and we're going to talk about them in maybe a little bit more detail later. Um, there was this aspirin incident that Bill had at one time. Maybe we need to talk about that. And in, 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 what what exactly happened with this aspirin incident? Do you remember how old he was and what went on there? I believe he was still in high school. Um, my recollection of it is quite vague, although I do remember uh, that he was that he was sick and it was at night. Um, and that my father, I believe, took him to the hospital, and he had uh, taken a bottle of aspirin. And I'm guessing he was probably either a junior or a senior in high school. He was in the hospital for a few days. I believe wow. it was around Christmas time. And wow. one memory I have is that he had been in the hospital for a few days, and when he came home, he brought me a little, like, holiday elf that had been on his hospital door. But no one really talked about what had happened. My sister's recollection of it was that she was out that night and came home to find out that he'd been in the hospital. And, and, and the belief is that he took a bunch of aspirin. Uh, I'm not saying he was trying to overdose or anything, but he just took a lot of aspirin that got him very sick uh, that right. he had to go to the hospital. And my mother, um, years years later talking to her about it, she had said it was around a time he had wanted to go on a ski trip and they had told him that he couldn't go. So she had you know, felt that either he was so disappointed in that um, that he took the aspirin. Um, I, you know, my own thought is, anytime someone does something like that, it's it's a sign there's some emotional pain. And does uh, you probably? I guess you maybe didn't know it at the time, but does that surprise you? Being that you knew your brother the way that he that you did, and did that surprise you? Do you think it surprised Sarah as well? I think it surprised Sarah quite a bit. Uh, I think for me it was more, um, you know, my recollection of it that it was more frightening because I, you know, uh, my memory is that seeing him, you know, very sick, not knowing, you know, what the context of it was back then. Mm -hmm. um, she was concerned. I'm sure she, you know, probably had a better idea of what might have been going on, at least in terms of that that was, something, you know, self-inflicted that caused him harm. Yeah. And we have to keep in mind it was aspirin. It was not some uh, drug that maybe if you overdose no. on it, it might kill you. Aspirin, I'm sure that would make you very sick. I don't know if you can overdose on aspirin, but it's certainly not like taking sleeping pills or something like that. Right, it, right. Or even other types of, you know, over-the-counter pain medications sure. that can be, um, you know, pretty physically hard on a person. Sure. I, I do think that they, looking back, that they kept him in the hospital more because they knew that, you know, probably psychologically there was something going on. Um, but I have no idea what he ever talked about about it. Okay. Um, another point I think we have to talk about, and we should stay for the record, 
that Bill's dad, your dad, is not a suspect in his disappearance at all. The only reason we're going to talk about this is because Bill was living home at the time. Right. Um, and it might have been an instigation, might have been a, a situation where Bill might have said, that's it, I'm out of here, I'm taking off, I'm leaving home, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm leaving my life or whatever else. Can you talk a little bit about the relationship that Bill had with your dad? They had a complicated relationship, um, at, at least. They, I think, you know, in terms of growing up, my memory, you know, is that um, things were, were pretty peaceful. Um, have a lot of photographs of Bill and my father that would go to my paternal grandparents' home and go fishing, hunting. They lived in northern Minnesota. Um, but as Bill got older and hit his teenage years, they argued a lot. Uh, they disagreed a lot. My sister's uh, memory is we always ate dinner together every night as a family and of their arguing. And sometimes the arguing, you know, was was frightening. They would be pretty angry with each other. I have no recollection of what they argued about. They also, even up to a few months before Bill, Bill disappeared, had gone uh, fishing together in November on Lake Superior. And um, so they had, they had a bond, but, but they also had a hard father-son relationship too. And it should be noted that you and your sister did not have that kind of relationship with her father, did you? You were a little bit more cordial? Uh, I think, you know, my sense of it always was that the difference that we were girls. And um, I remember talking to a friend of my brother's and asking him many years later if he was aware of their disagreements. And he said he always thought that my dad probably had really high expectations of Bill. Um, But this was one of the friends that also went up with Bill and stayed with my dad up at Itasca. So... Um, they also had, um, you know, times when, when they got along pretty well, probably, or at least shared interests. Mm -hmm. And I think my sister's thought is that that made sense that as the oldest, the only male, the oldest male, he probably had a lot of expectations of how he should be and what he should do and, uh, what was right and wrong. Yeah. Right. Right. Okay. Another um, issue could be, and this is not, not something that you or your family, I think, found out for several years, but once again, it could be a factor in his disappearance. The listeners will have to judge that for, him, for themselves. But it seemed that Bill might have had, um, not that he ever spent any time in jail or anything like that, but he had um, a couple burglaries, it seems, under his belt at some point. Um, when did you find that out? And how does that r- ring in your ear all these years later? I was probably, it was probably in the early eighties. I, um, met with a friend of his that actually had been at the party when he left. Um, and he said that Bill and some other guys kind of the same age used to burglarize, cars, 
garages, my sister thought. Um, and that was a surprise, but maybe not a complete shock in some ways. Then in probably 2014, my sister and I met with the St. Paul police and the BCA um, just to talk more about Bill and, you know, what we knew. And the St. Paul police were able to find uh, an arrest uh, an arrest record for Bill on suspicion of burglary. But they weren't able to find anything about what the outcome of that. And that was in, was 1968. And that did surprise us because um, we'd never heard that before. Mm-hmm. I don't think that my, my mother had since died. I don't, I never had a sense that she was aware of that. But we don't know if, um, you know, if maybe our mother and father were aware of it or if it was something that they never knew about. Um, and there was no record of what the outcome of it was other than he had been arrested. But to your knowledge, you never spent any days in jail. And at the time of his disappearance in early March 1969, were there any warrants out for his arrest or anything like that, to your knowledge? No, nothing that nothing that we're aware of. And I think if okay. there had been warrants, they probably would have had a record of that still. But they only had the arrest record. No okay. outcome. And we... Okay. We followed up on it, and the uh, police officer was had looked into it, you know, further to try to find something from back then, but wasn't able to. And they weren't able to. My parents had reported him as a missing person, and they weren't able to find a record of that, which he didn't think was probably that unusual okay. that long ago. Uh, now that you look it back at it, uh, was there any um, conspicuous spending? that Bill had done maybe in that, maybe that year before that, that might've caused you or your family to question how he was making his money. Did he have a job at the time while he was going to school or was he just going to school? And what do you remember? He always had a job. Um, when he was at going to school at the university, um, I think he had a couple of different jobs. I never really probably paid that much attention to, um, money or how he spent money. I know he had a, a savings account at, a, at the local bank because that account, you know, just slowly over time after he had disappeared, just sort of dwindled down with, um, with you know, a, like a monthly fee. But Service charges. Over many yeah. years. Yeah. Um, the Christmas, and I'm not sure if it was the Christmas before he disappeared or beforehand, um, Christmas morning, there were unwrapped presents at everyone's place at the table, at the dining room table. And they were, they were quite nice gifts. Um, mine was a watch with different colored bands. My sister remembered that it was a, a makeup mirror that had lights on it. I, I don't remember what my mother's gift was. My father's gift was, a, was quite an expensive down sleeping bag. And... Um, I don't know that I realized it at the time, but in talking to my sister over the years, a little bit, we both sort of wondered why, where those gifts had come from. If they were things he'd bought, um, if they were stolen, um, we didn't know. And no sense of, but it was unusual. And it was certainly a memory that sort of stood out. I'm sure it would. Especially a college student 
uh, who's even today in 2017, their budgets are quite tight. Right. Even with even with a job. So right. and he didn't you know he didn't have a car. He didn't have, um, you know, he didn't spend, um, you know, money mm-hmm. on gas that sort of thing. So. Okay. And we're going to cover one more th- one more point before we get into the day of his disappearance. But this is, I think, a topic we're going to get into a little bit later as well. But we're not even sure if it's the truth right at this point, and I want to preface it with that. But one of um, Bill's friends had said that Bill might have gotten into some scuffles. What do you would you like to tell the listeners about that? Once again, you've only ever heard this from one of his friends and, and not anybody else. So. Right. Um, and this was over the summer. We had the, my sister and I had an opportunity to meet with a, a good friend of Bill's through high school um, who shared a lot of photographs, a lot of stories, had wonderful memories of Bill, um, but also had memories of um, knowing that, that something was troubling him, that there was something um, that he was dealing with and um he told us that after high school they kind of went their separate ways because bill had gotten into some things he he couldn't condone and my sister and i both thought our first thought was that it would have something to do with drugs because we knew that bill used marijuana and that he drank um but what it was was street fighting and we were both you know kind of repeated it street fighting and his recollection um, was that Bill had gotten involved with some guys from Minneapolis that were into street fighting. And I think, you know, at the time we heard that, we were both kind of taken aback and didn't, didn't ask more about it. Um, so um, hmm. we didn't know if it was um, like a fight club or if it was just fighting strangers on the street randomly um, and still don't know. Um, But in talking, actually in talking with you, Ed, about it and um, asking, you know, talking with my sister, we never noticed anything that would give us a thought that he'd been in a fight. Um, No recollections at all. And we had talked. And when did you find this out exactly? When did you first hear about this? What year was Um, that? July of 2017. That recently, just like six months ago, is the first time since right. Bill's disappearance in 1969 that you heard about right. that. Right. Wow. Right. Okay. And it's just from one person. From one person. And we've never asked anyone else about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it could be that, um, you know, Bill got, you know, started hanging out with other people that were into that or at least talked about it but that he never actually did himself. Um, so I don't, and I don't, I don't know more about it than that. Okay. And we're going to come. that was Please. surprising. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure, it, I'm sure it was on top of everything, on top of everything else. Um, you finding out about him doing some bur- burglarizing back then that you probably didn't expect after almost 50 years to find out something about street fighting, but we're not even right sure if if it's true and once again we're going to approach that topic a little bit later um 
what can you tell the people about the the day that he disappeared? And we should note for the record, we're not sure if it was March 1st or if it was March 2nd. It was either a Saturday or a Sunday. It might have even been the next weekend, March 8th or March 9th. We're still not sure about that, are we? No, no. Um, my sister probably has the best recollection of, um, you know, people that have a better memory than I do of around that time. Um, her memory is that it was a Sunday when she saw him last and that they had been studying for finals and that um, at some point he went, he went out in the evening, which wouldn't have been unusual, and um, then didn't come home for a few days. And then his friends started to call, um, and they didn't know where he was, and no one in our family knew where he was. Now, this party that he uh, went to, I mean, it's not allegedly, he was there. People did see him there. Yes. Um, do you know uh, who held the party? Do you know, like all these years later, do you know the building that was in who, what were the kinds of people at it? What can you tell the listeners? Uh, anything that you can tell them about that particular party? Well, uh, not a lot, other than for a long time, um, the, we'd been. The story about his leaving the party had always stayed the same, that it had been a party. My understanding is that um, there might have been other people there too, but it sounds like it was mostly friends from high school. Um, it was during the Vietnam War. Sure. The party was held uh, in talking to people. Some people could not remember where the party was, um, but it sounds like it was in Dinkytown, which is um, on the Minneapolis, right near the Minneapolis University of Minnesota campus, um, where there would have back then been a lot of apartments. No one has been able to remember who had the party. Um, but that he was at this party, um, we've probably talked to two or three people that were also at the party, and they all have the same recollection that at some point Bill stood up and left, and no one saw him again. In talking more specifically to people who were there, we'd heard that um, one one of the people at the party had just come back from Vietnam. It was during the draft, so people were concerned about that and worried about that. My sister's recollection is that Bill's uh, physical for the draft would have been the following day, uh, Monday. And Because he had got, we hadn't talked about that, but he had gotten a draft notice. Right, right. Okay. He'd gotten the draft notice. Um, he had to go in for a physical. One of the people at the party had said that there was talk about Vietnam. There was also talk about suicide. And not in the context of anyone planning that, but more like what would people do if they did get drafted. And that I hadn't heard about until maybe two years ago. I also heard that people weren't, you know, um, there was drinking at the party, but people weren't, you know, just drunk. People were still, you know, carrying on conversations. Mm. And that's really about all we know. But we've always heard that's always been the same 
story that people have heard. And was this a party made up of Bill's friends from high school, or would you say that they were um, students at the University of Minnesota that were at this party? Well, I know that some of his friends from high school were there. I don't know about who else was there. Doesn't I've never gotten a sense it sounded like a really big party, more of a smaller. But it could have certainly been at um, someone's apartment that was that somebody else knew when they had gone okay. to the party. But still to this day, uh, even though you have talked to some of the people at the party that night, nobody is quite sure who held it. Right. No, okay. Never heard for sure who held it. Uh, it could be that, where exactly it was. Could have been they just heard about the party through the grapevine and knew the address and kind of just showed up. It could certainly, that could certainly have happened, especially back then, I think, or any time, but yes. Okay. So he leaves. Uh, somebody tries to follow him out the door. This person follows him out the door and, and can't find Bill. Bill is gone, and, and nobody has uh, allegedly, at least that we know of, seen him since. When did your family know that something wasn't quite right? I think that um, from talking with, you know, my sister, um, my mom, as she got older, would talk more about, you know, have memories that, that she would share, was that it was, you know, it could have been four four days afterwards. Um, Bill had a girlfriend. I didn't know the girlfriend. My sister knew he had a girlfriend but had never met her. Um, and he, you know, he had friends that lived on campus or it wasn't unusual that he might not be home for a, um, you know, a few days. But after a few days, people were calling for him. And that's when, you know, my parents realized he's, nobody knows where he is. Um, and they reported him as a missing person. I'm not sure exactly when um but it was probably at least you know maybe two maybe two or three days before the maybe the yellow flags if not red flags went up right right that in talking with his friends that um people had you know nobody had seen him since this party uh just um, also my memory is that he had a coat and he'd left his coat at the party and someone returned the coat to my parents' house. Hmm. Okay. I wanted to ask you, you said that your sister and he were studying the evening before he went to that party. Were they studying at home? Were they on campus? Where were they, um, they before were he went to the home. They were at home. They were studying at home. Okay. And they so, both lived at home then, too. Okay. So your sister didn't feel like going to the party, or did she even know about it back then? Do you know? I think my sister and Bill probably socially were in different circles at that point. Um, my sister sort of had her friends. She probably, I think Bill was probably, um, was maybe more into parties than my sister was. Okay. So the police get the report. Um, what did they do? Did they try to track down any of the people at the party? Um, no, any, did they find anything suspicious to your knowledge? As far as I know, nothing um, really ever came of it. I, you know, it's unfortunate at this point as um, kind of find more little things that I wish I had asked um, my mom or my dad. Um, I think back then he was 21. 
uh, he was, so he was an adult. There was um, nothing really pointing that there was, you know, some sort of foul play. And it was a really different time, I think, in terms of um, missing people. I know my mom and I have a memories of her calling when any time a body was found in the Mississippi River, my mother calling um, the radio station. Um, so I think that the news outlets probably was, if she was to get any information about him, it would have come from there, which is, you know, sad to think about now. As yeah. far as I know, um, other than he was reported as a missing person, it never went further than that. Speaking of the Mississippi River, uh, the river does run through Minneapolis. Uh, was it was it checked? Uh, was any were any of the sections drugged? Uh, and how far is the river from where the party was held? Well, the the river wouldn't be far from from Dinky Town at all. Um, and nothing, you know, that I, I, know, I don't think that anything was done specifically to look for Bill in the river. Um, there were, you know, over time there had been bodies found in the river. And then as time went on and my sister and I, um, you know, which was much later um, through the BCA, they had no records of any body being found in the Mississippi River that had not been identified um that that would have been his yeah and i'm thinking if it's early march uh in minnesota with the snow melting that probably the mississippi would have been pretty high and fast at that time right and it could you know there could have certainly been ice on it um he fished the mississippi a lot um he also you know he, he didn't have a car he didn't I mean, he had a driver's license, but he um, he didn't have a car, so he would have, you know, how he would have gotten to that party, um, you know, he probably either walked, which would be, you know, would be a, a fairly long walk, but not undoable, and he did a lot of walking from home to the campus, and there was also a, a bus that went in be between the campuses, so... Um, uh, would would he have had to have passed over the river uh, to go from your house to the party, or would he come near the river just if he was just um, walking home? No, he wouldn't have had to cross over the river. He would have probably crossed um, a section of town that had a lot of railroad tracks in it. Okay. But he wouldn't have had to cross the river to get home. All right, so, um, and many of my listeners know even to this day that um, people being found in rivers uh, is not unusual. That that happens, uh, and usually has to do with people maybe being drunk or on drugs or something like stumbling around. And a lot of these are not suicides; they they happen, you know, quite a bit by accident, and that continues to this day in 2017. But what you're saying is that if Bill even came close to that river, he would have had to have gone in that direction. It would have been on his usual walk home. Right. He would, he would have been able to walk from that party home without ever crossing the river. Okay. 
So what did you think? You were I'm sure you were 13 when he disappeared, 13 or 14 when he when he disappeared. I right, I was 13. I thought, you know, he would be coming home and you know, I think the that we all thought um that he that he had left and that he had left because of the the war and concerns about being drafted. I think a lot of his friends thought that at first. Um, over time, my being 13, he had he had my birthday as in March, and he had my birthday on his calendar, and I was sure he was going to be back in time for my birthday. Um, and it was, um, we've never, um, you know, for many years, um, his room stayed the same. Um, Nothing was changed for many years. The thought really was that he would he would come back, that wherever he was, he he would be back. And for me personally, it probably took into the you know late 1980s to realize that if he were um, if he were alive, he would have gotten in touch with my sister um, because they were so close. So even if he didn't want to contact, you know, our parents, he would have contacted her. I was going to ask you about that. What did, what was your sister Sarah saying at this time? She was the last family member to see him. She was uh, closer to him probably than you were just because of age. They're going to the same school. Um, was her opinion the same, that he had, got, he had um, maybe gone to Canada or something, to avoid the draft. That was her opinion as well. I think that she thought, um, you know, that or that maybe he'd gotten in, you know, I think the other thought was, you know, had he gotten involved in drugs in some way. Um, There was just so little to kind of go on. You know, some of the concerns was were that he, you know, he didn't have a coat and it was, you know, at the most maybe that time of year. And I think I've checked to see what the temperature was around that time in 1969. Might have been in the 30s during the day and, you know, colder at night. He didn't have his wallet with him and he never cashed his last paycheck and he never um, he never touched his savings account. So if he had left, um, it doesn't sound like something he... Um, he would have either had to given it a lot of thought or, or no thought. Um, and I think as time went on more so, I think I know my mother always hoped that he would come home um, and used to, I think, be kind of angry that he wasn't coming home. I think it was hard for her to um, consider that he, you know, that he, that he, that he had died. And so it was tough to cope. You, you, you have your sister, and then you have your, your parents. And right. even and if your father did have a little bit of a contentious relationship with Bill, I'm sure it was tough for him as well. Right. I think it was very hard, and I, my memory is that, um, I mean, I certainly knew he was, he was gone, but I don't have memories. My sister doesn't have memories of that. We really talked about it. It 
felt like a big silence that sort of fell over us all. Um, and I can remember, um, you know, being going to school and my sister and brother had gone to the same school and going into um, a class and uh, the teacher recognizing my name and asking how Bill was. And this was maybe six, seven months after he had disappeared. And I said, I don't know. And he, <laughs> the teacher was, um, I think, I don't know what he thought I was saying, but um, was just, how can you not know how he is? And I had to tell him that we didn't know where he was. Um, and I think that just saying that um, at that point and to other people, you know, is hard and it's hard for people to know what to say. Um, I think my parents reached out to people that he knew um, from time to time to try to, you know, find out if he, if anybody had heard from him. Um, I suspect as I've gotten older, I think they did more of that than I realized at the time. I think they um, were probably, I, I can only imagine what it must be like to be a, a parent and, and have a child disappear. Right. Um, being that your teacher didn't know that Bill disappeared, it, 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 does that should that lead myself and the listeners to believe that uh, it wasn't what you would call a big story? Was it not in the paper? Oh, what do you I'm think sure about that? Nothing. What do you think yeah, about I'm that? I'm sure there was nothing in the paper. I'm sure there was. Um, I, I can't imagine that there was anything. Um, and that was, you know, at the time that did not seem that didn't strike us. I mean, that would be so. It's so different now. Yeah. Um, but then, um, no, somebody, um, left and they would be reported. I'm sure if he had been a minor, it would have been different, but he was, he was an adult. And I think just the kind of the state of the country at that time, um, it wasn't unusual that people, that someone might up and leave or that they might you know, that he might have gone to Canada, given the context of things. It was shocking for us as a family, but I think from the outside in terms of um, what law enforcement, or you know, that would have done, that wasn't unusual. Do you maybe remember this? Did any of Bill's other friends maybe try to avoid the draft? Do you think any of them maybe went to Canada, maybe came back, you know, once the, uh, eventually they were pardoned in the 1970s, but... Um, did, do you think Bill ever knew of anybody that did that and thought he might copy what they did? Any, do you remember any of that? Does that um, I don't know anybody that of his friends that did, but it's possible. Um, I know that, um, it, I'm sure it wasn't unusual in a, you know, at a party with, um, people of that, you know, that age, um, you know, Vietnam was, was on the television and how many, you know, how many um, soldiers um, died, you yep. know, was was on sure. the news every every day, every night yep. at dinner. Yep. Um, so I I don't know. I know my father. Um, I think tried to find out um, what he could about that possibility. Don't think he ever found anything, um, any answers to it. I think everyone just, and as my sister had said, kind of just tried to 
to carry on with the hope that he would he would come back. And we should tell the listeners the the draft number that he got. What were the odds of him actually being drafted? I mean, I know he was going to go in for this physical, but uh, what were the odds that he would actually get drafted? My sister's memory is that after um, he disappeared, he his number actually turned out to be quite high. Um, so the odds were were in his favor that he would not have been drafted. But I don't believe that he knew that. I don't. I'm sure he didn't know that at that time. My mom, I believe, contacted the draft board to try to find out, you know, um, what she could. And we received, she received some notice that said he wouldn't be drafted. Um, but I don't know if that was connected to the physical or just that he had a higher number. Um, in fact, I'm not sure that he ever made it for the physical. If he was gone the night before and never, um, which is what I think happened, I think her concern was, was he supposed to show up and that he hadn't showed up for it. Uh, to your knowledge, did he uh, get in trouble for not showing up for this physical or anything like that? Was he in um, uh, once? I mean, did he get in trouble? It, would that be a felony? I'm not sure how that all works now. But I, I don't think anything that we ever heard of. And I do think that my mom had gotten something saying that, um, you know, either do his number being so high, something, but or or she let them know that he was. Um, missing that I never I'm not aware of anything ever coming of that I guess what I'm saying is that if he did run away and then he didn't show up for his physical it's not like that automatically would get him in trouble he wouldn't be thrown in the brig or anything like that Um, he could have reappeared at some point down the road without having to worry about being a felony or anything like that right I would think so okay and I don't and I can remember um you know, at times he would talk about joining the army, um, and other times when I think that would have been the last thing he would have um, wanted to do. So I think mm-hmm. he probably felt torn between, um, you know, should he should he go on his own or should he wait and see what the odds were that he would be drafted? Must have been a difficult time. Sure, sure, sure. Now, you were 13 at the time, uh, so right into your teen years, uh, became a young woman, and you've done some things, though, over the years, I don't know when this exactly started, but to try to find out what might have happened to him, and one of the things that you did was you actually went to one of Bill's high school reunions. Um, Why don't you tell the listeners uh, how that all came about and what would you do there? Um, the first um, time was they, his class, the class of 1966, had a, a birthday party because all of the uh, all of the class would have been turning 66 that year, and so that was probably 2014. And um, Bill's class knew that he, you know, was missing, and um, one of the women that was organizing this gathering had contacted my sister, Sarah, and we, um, we, we met with her and sort of, you know, shared what we knew over the years. And she invited us to go to this celebration. 
and I went, and it was awkward. Um, they had a table of um, in memoriam for their classmates that had died, and then they had a picture of Bill and um, uh, the you know that has, that has been missing this whole time. And um, although it was awkward at first, and probably I would guess probably a little bit uncomfortable for. Um, other people there. People did approach me and um, shared stories that I had never heard. Wonderful stories about Bill. Um, uh, you know, friends of his had cried, not ever knowing what happened to him. And um, sort of realizing the impact that that had had on other people, as well as you know, our family that, you know, he had friends and people that um, also loved him that never got to say goodbye to him. So it was, it was very helpful in terms of sort of hearing news stories, but, you know, also that nobody had heard anything different than other than that he'd left this party. I met a girl that he dated in high school, which was, had no idea about um, and most of the stories were were good ones although the um, it was a sad um, you know situation too to that no one had ever heard back from him um, but it gave us some um, you know contacts with people um, that were helpful and then the year uh, two years later then we went my sister and I went to his 50th um, reunion and had the chance again to to talk with some of his classmates and Sarah would have just been um, a year younger so she she knew more of these people than I did um, they remembered her from um, from high school okay. and it was were, helpful were any of those people at the party that night any of these people at the, them, at the re- yeah. they were at that party that he disappeared um, one of his, the, the girl that he had dated in high school was at the party. She and Bill weren't dating then, but they had stayed friends. She had been there. Um, she actually, um, was able to, I talked with her a couple of times after the party. Um, and she tried to find out where the party was. She couldn't remember. And she was able to talk to somebody though, that had been there, one of his classmates, that had been the person that had followed him out the door because they were concerned about him um, and couldn't, he couldn't find him. So I've so, talked to at least two people directly mm-hmm. that were at the party with him. And so we should be clear that this girl was not his girlfriend at the time. This was an ex-girlfriend who was at this party where Bill was. Did she remember talking to him that night? I mean, were they on good terms by that time? Or sounds like they were on good terms. Um, she didn't, um, you know, nothing in particular stood out for her. She did, she was the person who shared, you know, after talking to someone else had been there, and I think maybe it helped her, you know, memory some, that there was a lot of talk about the war and there was talk of suicide. Um, and I think she was reluctant to tell me that. Um, so she was, so she was shocked as everybody else that he disappeared, just completely. Right. Right. I don't, I think, you know, in talking with his friends, I think um, 
they knew that Bill probably didn't feel very good about himself or was maybe feeling sort of lost and that they tried to um, kind of buoy him up. Um, but I don't think that anybody saw that he would just disappear coming. So why do you think they said that, that to kind of prep, you know, pep him up a little bit? Was it about the draft or was it about something else, just his overall demeanor? Was, what do you think that meant? I think it was about, um, you know, maybe the draft, just about life, um, what direction he was going. I think they saw him as, I, my sense was, and I, I don't know that anybody used this word, but that maybe he was depressed. Um, and just didn't feel very good about himself. Okay. I wonder why that would be. No, seemed to be doing okay. Had a job, going to school. Um, but we we know that people get you know can be down for all sorts of reasons. Even things are going well. Sometimes right, that right. sometimes that, that's the way it works, of course. And there's been um, not in my immediate family, but in extended family, there's been um, depression. Um, and suicide in the family. And he could have, you know, it could have been, you know, something that was not connected to um, events as much as to, um, you know, just his chemistry. Would you, would he have known about that in 1969? Would he, would he have been aware that some of his older family members had committed suicide? Uh, no, our grandmother, our, um, paternal grandmother had died a couple of months before Bill disappeared. Um, but I didn't know. Um, and my mother didn't know. My sister didn't know that she had, she had died, um, from suicide. But as far as I know, Bill did not know that. Okay. Now we already mentioned an ex-girlfriend now, I think this is probably uh, a very surprising part of this conversation. It was for me, and I think it was for you when it happened. And we're only going to use her first name. Her name is Terry. What can you tell the listeners about her? Well, um, two years ago, about two years ago, a neighbor helped me start a Facebook page for Dell as a Missing Person. And when we were um, putting in his name, the Charlie Project came up, and there had been um, a mention of Bill, and two people had commented. And one of the people had said, I remember Bill from the University of Minnesota, um, and we used to talk in the library, and it was Terry. And I didn't know if Terry was a, a man or a woman at the time. And I thought, oh, that's interesting. And then also another person had commented that turned out to be um, someone that knew Bill very well from up at Itasca. And um, then through the Facebook page, Terry, um, and I'm not sure exactly even how it happened, Ed, but um, Terry was a woman, and Terry was a woman that had dated Bill um, up until the time he disappeared. And um, that was just a incredible, incredible... Um, I don't even know how to explain it after so long to 
Just um, to be just to be clear, that he yes. disappeared in 1969, and you didn't know about Terry. I'm guessing your sister Sarah didn't know about Terry. I'm guessing no. your parents didn't know about Terry. Well, it, it, we actually were able to meet Terry um, yeah. two summers ago. Okay, um, we met with her, um, and it turned. And she told us that our mother had called her. So somehow our mom had known about Terry, although Terry had never met her. Um, Bill either told our mom about Terry, but our mom was enough of a detective that she found her and, and you know, asked her um, if she'd seen Bill and when she'd seen Bill last. So um, it was just a, a wonderful, wonderful to, to meet her and talk to her. And it must have been she, like a little bit like a time capsule because she's oh, going to was, remember it remember him exactly as he was. From 1969. Right. Yeah. It was just incredible. Um, and she um, was just a, she's a beautiful person and um, was very gracious talking with us. And she brought a picture that Bill had given her of Lake Superior. Um, and I think it was a picture that was taken when he and our dad had gone up to Lake Superior in November 1968. Um, and she brought a lure that he, a fishing lure that he'd given her. And they had met um, in the fall of 1968 um, and were introduced by mutual friends. And she um, just had adored him. And um, their time spent together was, you know, studying. Um, they did a lot of walking. Um, and... Um, she, you know, she was just devastated when she realized he, he was gone and has always, um, you know, kind of looked for him and with technology, um, we've kind of found each other, which was uh, just amazing. But here's the, probably the biggest part about meeting her is that you didn't find out until you encountered her, I guess, a couple years ago, once again. We're talking about a disappearance in 1969. You didn't find out until 2015 that Bill might have left that party that night, but we we have a pretty good idea that he called her that right. night. What did and I mean that had to be a mind blower. Right. And what did Terry say about that? Um, she said that Bill had, and of course she didn't know that that was the last night she was ever going to see him, but he had called. Um, she believes it was between maybe 9 and 11. He had called her, and she was worried about him. She said he sounded um, very sad. He told her he was going away and told her to take care of him herself. She was worried about him and asked him where he was. He wouldn't tell her. She, you know, her, her guess was that he was calling from a phone booth. He wouldn't tell her where he was or where he was going. Um, her hope was that he would he was going somewhere and he'd be back, but she also had uh, she had a bad feeling about it. And I think that it might have actually been when our mother called her that she realized he was that nobody knew where he was. Can't imagine that. Just can't imagine being in her shoes, getting a call from this this guy that she's dating that 
I'm guessing. I don't know if it. I'm guessing she loved him, but you know, six months in, hard to know. Right, um, right. bitch deeply cared about him one way or the other, and he's telling her this. I mean, that had to have been dev- devastating for. Her. And then on top of that, him actually following through and not reappearing again. Right. And it was um, you know, you know, another instance of feeling someone else's loss, um, of this shared loss of this this person um that had known, you know, Bill in a much different way than I had. Um and, you know, that she just deeply cared for him and I think it's always haunted her too and other people that knew him, um, as to what happened and to never have any um you know, any answer. When she got that call, did she think that he was going, let's just put it this way. Do you think that, did she think that he was going to commit suicide? Is that, or did that ever cross her mind? Did she say anything about that? She said, I don't think she used those words, but she said, you know, that she had a bad feeling and that she was concerned he was going towards water is what she said that either he would go up to Lake Superior um, which would have been a long, um, you know, a long stretch of hitchhiking, but possible. But she she had a bad feeling. Um, but I think wanted to hope that that wasn't the case. She, we asked her if Bill had ever talked about, you know, his relationship with our dad. He never had. He never talked to her about it. I don't think he talked to... Um, many people, I mean, there might've been some people, but not people that we've talked to directly. Um, you know, other than I think they knew that it wasn't always the easiest. She'd never heard anything. Um, she'd been to our parents' house one time, um, but hadn't met our parents. Um, but Bill must have told her mom about her and my mother was able to to contact her, either find a phone number or something. So that was that was kind of an interesting little um, fact about her mom too that she had, you know, had done that and um, and it was you know I guess all I can say it was just so wonderful to to have met Terry and you know we stay in touch by Facebook and hope yeah. to um, you know meet up again. She's been very generous. Sure. Yes. Um, when was the last time she saw, actually saw him in person before he disappeared? Do you know? Well, she said it, she, um, was maybe three days before she got the phone call and that he had stopped by her apartment. And that's when he gave her the picture of Lake Superior and the lure. And that was the last time she saw him. And I, I'm sure I, I, of course, asked you this question originally, and I'm sure some of the listeners are thinking about it as well. If if they were boyfriend and girlfriend, is there a reason that they didn't go to this party together that night? I I um I don't know. I mean, I'm sure they went to parties together. My thought in kind of thinking about the timeline, if it was finals and she had finals, she might have been studying too. And Bill might have just gone to this party not, um, you know, with much forethought of it. 
So that doesn't strike me as that unusual that he might go to a party, especially if it were high school friends. Then he might have gone by himself. Okay. You know, um, because I have to admit that it goes through my mind. Maybe, maybe he didn't bring Terry with him because he knew an ex-girlfriend was going to be at this party as well. I mean, could that maybe been something? It's just. You know, I, I've not been a big relationship guy in my life, frankly, but I know that boyfriends and girlfriends usually go to parties together, so that's why I felt I had to ask that. Right. And we had, um, for a long time, what we'd heard is that um, Bill had just broken up with a girlfriend um, before his disappearance. And so we, you know, asked Terry, you know, had you hadn't broken up with him or... Um, anything and she said no so I don't know if he had another girlfriend um, but I didn't get that sense and it's also possible that he called and said goodbye to her and um, you know I, I don't know how people I never heard I've never heard what girl he had broken up with. Nobody seemed to know what, who the girlfriend was that he had supposedly broken up with. Um, but it wasn't her. So okay. that's sort of an unfinished um, mystery in a way of um, if it's people's memories or, or, or what. Now, we should be clear on something, though. Being that we don't know exactly the date that Bill disappeared, um, your your sister thinks it was a Sunday, but you look at NamUs and other places, it's going to say March first, which anybody will can check that out. It was a Saturday, right? We can't be one hundred percent sure that the phone he the phone call he made to her and the night that he disappeared are actually the same night. It would make sense. It would certainly make sense, and it's perfectly logical. Well, we don't have any data to um, support that. We just right. have we just right. have our gut feeling that that's the same night. It, you're right, and it could have been that he would have, if he had talked to her, um, had called her the night before, and then um, maybe he would have told someone he'd broken up with a girlfriend. But right, um, it might have meant something different than what most of us would think of as breaking up with somebody. Sure. Now, we uh, touched upon, I told the listeners we were going to come back to these, these, these couple topics. Uh, you had a chance to talk to Terry about this rumor that Bill might have doing some street fighting. Anything that Terry ever experienced with Bill that that was the case? Ever seen any bruises on him or anything like that? Ever? No, she said she, that was very surprising to her. She had never, there was no indication of anything like that. And in fact, she said that all she knew of him was gentleness and kindness. He was very good with her, very respectful, good boyfriend. That's how right. she remembers right. him. Okay. So no bruises or anything never came up in any conversations in those six months that they dated. Did no. she, I don't know if you've asked her this, but if she listened to this program, she's going to know. Um, any, did she know anything about his burglary history? that we talked about earlier. No, no. And I think we had, um, I think Sarah and I have talked with her about that or, um, you know, we kind of shared what we have heard over the years and she shared, you know, what she knew at the time. Um, so no, 
Mm. And I don't know if that was something, um, I think the fellow that I talked to originally that had brought it up, my sense was that was something that they had done in high school, but 1968 would have been a couple years after after when he was arrested. So um, I don't know if he was with anybody else um, Mm. or, or or where he, where they found him. Sure. Um, just wanted to ask you that. Just seems that he never; those things never came up. And in fact, you already right. stated that he never mentioned to her anything about the issues that he had with your father either. That wasn't something no. that Terry knew about either. Okay. No, because we were, you know, curious um, to know. Um, you know, it, did he talk to people about that? Was it? You know, was our perception of that different than maybe what what his was um, or what impact that might have had on him? Um, I don't know. Did Terry ever give you any reason why it, it took all these years for you to uh, meet each other? I mean, almost 50 years. Did she ever think about trying to look for you? Of course, you didn't know. She existed, but she she surely knew that Bill had two younger sisters, you know, Sarah and well, you. He, and he, yeah, did it come up? I mean, I I actually I don't know that we asked her that. He okay. he, it might have been something they talked about. It might not have. Um, I think you know probably for her having talked to our mother back then, um, and then I think you know her life after a period of time went went on um so i don't i mean it is quite amazing that um after all that time because that was um a big a big piece of you know for me of kind of knowing him a little bit better the other person on the charlie project that had commented um who was a friend of bill's from up in itasca whose family was from Arizona has just added tremendously to his Facebook page, shared so many wonderful stories of Bill and photographs, wonderful photographs. I've seen them, um, yeah. And that he and Terry were the people that had commented together on the Charlie Project page. So um, it's, it's kind of amazing, yeah. to say the least. It's, you know, it was kind of... Uh, I wouldn't necessarily, of course, you haven't forgotten, your family hasn't forgotten, but maybe to the to the public and maybe some of those friends and everything, they've moved on, but then all of a sudden, it's all alive again. Right. In 2015, of course, you did some things at class reunion, but then you run into this woman. For that disappearance, it's still like it's yesterday. You know, she right. remembers this guy that, that disappeared, and, and you should know that uh, she must be a very special person because I can tell you in covering... Uh, as many disappearances that I've covered, you find that a lot of boyfriends and girlfriends, even if they're not even suspects in a disappearance, they tend to move on fairly quickly. And it's it's amazing how when you try to get in touch with them many years later, they don't want to talk. I can't tell you how much that happens. I cannot even I can't say anything on the record. I'm just telling you that is certainly the case. So it's good that Terry isn't like that. No, she was. Um, I think we were. Uh, she was very helpful to us, and I think and I think that it was helpful for her to have um, 
you know, to be able to talk with Sarah and I about it. Um, and it was uh, just, you know, more than more than I had at this point so many years later had um, really hoped for. And like you said, that someone remembers him with with so much love yep. and has always, always wondered what happened to him. He'll always be 20 years old in her mind. Right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, now that, uh, of course, you're a grown woman, and uh, now, why is it that you don't think that you knew about Terry? Was it something that, she seems like a fine woman all these years later, that you didn't know about him. Obviously, your sister didn't know about him. She was going to school with Bill. You know, do you have a chance to think think about that a little bit? Any? I think our family was, um, of course, I was younger, but I don't remember meeting any um, any of Bill's girlfriends, any of my uh, sister's boyfriends. Um, uh, you know, I think I remember my sister going to prom and, Maybe someone picking her up, but besides that, um, that that just wasn't. You know, I think our family was um, was a small family for sure, and that you know my brother and sister there, they sort of had lives outside of the family that certainly I didn't know about, and that I don't know that my my mom and dad did, other than maybe that if they were dating someone, um, and they knew. They knew Bill's um, male friends and yeah. um, had been to the house and things like that, but and up to Itasca. But we weren't a family where you know, like our friends came to dinner kind of thing. So that doesn't that part didn't surprise me. Um, and another type of family, it might be um, a big surprise. Sure, just depends on the family. You're right. Right. You're right. You're right. You're right. Uh, do you have plans on um, meeting Terry maybe uh, again in person sometime 2018 or sometime? Anything? Right. I had, um, you know, my sister and I, you know, hope to meet her again maybe next summer and talk with her more. Um, I know she follows his Facebook page. Um, and, you know, every, you know, the Facebook page has, um, you know, brought a lot in terms of um, his friend Tom that has, you know, posted a lot and shared a lot. And then just other, you know, of his friends that sometimes will make a comment or someone will, you know, just post something saying that they remember him from high school and that he was always, you know, really what we've heard is that he was very, very kind. Um I think he was a bit um, adventurous. Um, someone could remember that he'd climbed the outside of a fire tower one time. Um, he'd been a lifeguard. He'd, you know, he was he was probably um, a daredevil in some ways, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yes, and I, I, you know, and we this is not coming up in our conversation, but I think I'd read something about did did he have polio as a child? Bill? He had polio as a child, um, and I'm guessing I don't remember it, so I'm guessing it was probably before I was five. So I'm thinking he was maybe like, oh, I don't know, seven or eight. He was m- maybe younger. 
Um, and I can remember my mother telling me that back then they could not visit him. And that was really hard on him that they could not come and visit him, but they wouldn't even allow parents from what it sounded like that they could not go and visit him. That he I fully recovered from that. I mean, polio, of course, at one point was a lethal disease, but he fully recovered from that? He did. He did. Wow. That's spectacular. Wow. Yeah, because listeners should know that that was just something I read recently that did not come up in our prior conversations. It's right. really amazing right. that he can recover from that. Yeah, I think it was, um, I think it's on the uh, NamUs site, because I think they'd asked mm. if there were any... Yeah. And we knew he'd had polio, and when he was wrestling, he dislocated his shoulder one time. But other than that, there weren't, um, you know, any marks or things that would stand out. How did your family cope with this disappearance? Um, like you said a little bit earlier, you don't know how parents do it. Um, how did your parents do it, and how did you move on? How did you and your sister move on with your lives? I think, I think um, you know, looking back, um, we all dealt with it in our own way. I think it was, um, and, and a lot of that was to not talk about things. Um, it was really only as my parents um, were older um, that we did talk about it, that they, I think really that they could talk about it. I'm sure that they had, um, you know, um, regrets, um, wish they had, you know, I, I think, I think that's the sort of situation that always, you know, hindsight is so much better of what you wish you might've asked or could have done or would have said. I know that my mom, um, probably just a few months, not even a few months, two months maybe before she died was when the BCA took her DNA and my sister's DNA. They had had my DNA because there was a, um, a skeleton found probably in 2005 that um, the BCA had done a, a skull of and had on the news, and one of my brother's friends had thought it looked like Bill, and so had contacted my mother. And then I contacted um, the sheriff's department where the bones had been found, and the BCA took my DNA at that time, didn't match those bones. But just from 2005 to 2013, um, you know, Things had improved even more, and they took my mother's DNA and my sister's DNA, and that's when his profile was put on NamUs okay. as a missing person. Mm-hmm. So she had um, she had hopes until the day she died that she would find out something about him. Yeah. Yep, we've uh, talked about that on Unfound before. Uh, parents uh, passing away before a son or daughter, you know, is found. You know, it's right. can't imagine. I it. had a um, good friend whose brother was a friend of Bill's who visited my mother just a day or two before she died, and um, Bill Bill came up and 
um, my friend had told her that his friends always thought that Bill had just gone to the Caribbean and had met some beautiful woman and was living his life. And um, it was kind of a a sweet story, Um, but I think it offered her some comfort to know that people had not forgotten about him. Um, And I think she felt that she, I'm sure there were many things that she wished she'd been able to, to say to him. And, you know, my friend just offered her, um, just said to her, you know, he, he, if he had been back, you know, it would have been different. He didn't get a chance to, to make things right. Um, which was a kindness that he offered because I think it's hard for people to know what to say, and um, and so sometimes people just don't say anything. Yeah, it's it's can be difficult, you know. Uh, if people don't have any experience with a you know a, a disappearance or something like that, yeah, it's it's hard to find the right words. Yes, it, it is. It's hard. Uh, I, I, as you know, and as listeners know, I've been doing this for over a year, and. Uh, I know a lot of people like yourself, you know, and but I also know a lot of people who have never experienced what you have as well, and you know, I, I think that among those people who have never experienced it, uh, it's it's tough to find the right words. And I know that me, even having done this for every year, it's hard for me to find the right words. Right. You know, and you're so afraid of saying the wrong thing that you just don't say anything at all. Right, right. And I've certainly done that myself. And I'm always, um, you know, surprised at how many, you know, missing people there are. You know, I know um, growing up, it seemed, you know, I had no no idea of how many people are missing in our country. Thousands and thousands. Thousands, thousands. And, you know, for um, children, you know, younger children, it's just, you know... I can only imagine how incredibly difficult that must be. Yep. Yep. Why don't you give the listeners all those places that they can find um, information about Bill? I know there's this website that you were talking about that has all those great pictures. I know I've been to the website. Why don't you give the listeners uh, that um, website first? Well, it's on Facebook, and it's William Campbell Underhill Missing Person. So I think it's pretty easy to find. Um, and there are many wonderful pictures of Bill and stories that people have shared. Um, I think he's also, he's on NamUs mm-hmm. and um, the Charlie Project. Sure. And I'm always surprised that I think sometimes he's on other um, sites that I'm unaware of, which yes. is also kind of one of the wonderful things about technology. It um, is. Although I often, you know, say that I'm not up to date at all technologically, it's certainly, um, you know, offered us a great deal of help and, and solace and knowing that people remember him and, um, you know, every little piece um, just sort of helps fit things together. I don't know that we'll ever find him, but we still, I certainly still hold out hope that Maybe we would find his bones and be able to um, bury them and have um, be able to do that for him. 
in some way. Yes. There's a, there's a probably so, a lot of bad things about social media and the internet, and we know all of the stuff that goes on out there, but without it, right. you never meet Terry. We'd never meet Terry. We never would have found um, Tom, the fellow from Arizona. Yeah. Um, right. Wouldn't be doing this right now. Yeah. I'm very grateful for this too, Ed. Oh, you're, you're welcome. You're welcome. Any last words before we conclude this interview, Mary? No, just thank you very much. Appreciate um, your efforts and your work and the people that listen and that, um, you know, kind of keep looking. That's what my listeners do. Uh, They take a deep interest in all the cases we covered. I can tell you that some of my listeners um, have gotten quite a bit into quite a few of the cases that we've covered, you know, meeting some of the guests and helping them. And I'm hoping uh, some of them can help you as well. Thank you so much. And I appreciate you being on this episode of Unfound. Thank you. You're welcome. And that was my interview with Mary Underhill, sister of Bill Underhill. I thank her for being on the program. As I was putting this episode together, I couldn't help but think of me being 20 years old in 1990 and how much different it was from when Bill was that age. Yes, When I was that age, we had the first Gulf War, but it was nothing like Vietnam, of course. No chance of being drafted, no beliefs of communism taking over the world, and it didn't end up being much of a contest between Iraq and the United States and its allies. My life and pretty much any other 20-year-olds were pretty much carefree compared to Bill's in 1969. But that's the way it was. So, what happened to Bill? On the one hand, I'm hopeful. He had reasons to want to leave. Whether it was fear of being drafted or the arguments with his father, I've even entertained the fact that Bill felt he was getting a little too serious with his girlfriend and was feeling painted into a corner. So he needed a bust out and couldn't find a way to end it. He wouldn't be the first guy to suddenly vanish out of a relationship. I think that's called submarining these days. Whatever the case, if he's out there, I hope he comes home soon. On the other hand... Although the call to his girlfriend certainly adds more info to the disappearance if it happened the night that Bill went missing, it feels a bit dire. It feels to me like a nice guy doing what nice guys do, not leave people hanging. He couldn't just leave. He needed to do it with an explanation, and despite his words, it feels very final. Although it isn't quite as clear as a suicide note. And I also can't help but wonder if Bill thought the police might be coming after him for his burglaries the preceding year. Remember, he got fingerprinted by the FBI. I bring this up because I can't believe they'd just let Bill go off scot-free if, in fact, they thought he was guilty. And maybe this combined with a couple beers in his system made him do something he normally wouldn't do. Furthermore, did Bill get in trouble with the fighting he may or may not have been a part of? We may never know. We can't even be sure it happened. I'll be interested to hear your opinions on all this in the comments section at the Unfound Podcast discussion group. With that, I'll leave the rest of the theorizing up to you. And that's the program. If you found it informative, please go to the app that you use to listen to Unfound and give this podcast a five-star review. I thank you for listening. I'm Ed Denzel, and you've been listening to Unfound.